Good morning. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to take them. <clears throat> Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. We continue on in our journey through this amazing letter that Paul wrote more than 2,000 years ago to a body of believers in the city of Rome. And we have learned, Lord willing, so much. <clears throat> We've been learning about the doctrine of justification. That is what Jesus Christ has done for us. We've been learning about the doctrine of sanctification. That is what the Holy Spirit is doing in us. And we build upon that truth with wonderful, wonderful, encouraging. And hopefully it's a text that we come away with saying, thank you, Lord. Just thank you for who you are. We will read um, verses 5 through 11 in just one moment. Um, the words will be in front of you on the screen. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. And before we go any further, we just pause. Give God the glory for allowing us to already enjoy a time of worship through song. And now as we look forward to a time of worship through the word. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father, I want to thank you, we together as a church, although at this very moment kind of separated just through circumstances, we are one, one body. And we thank you, Lord, for being our Father and for seeing us, for knowing exactly what's in the very depths of our hearts, our struggles, what stresses us. I thank you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit is present within us, as we will be reminded and encouraged this morning. We thank you, Lord. We give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise for those that have been strengthened recently, physically, who have been ill. And we just ask, Lord, for continued healing. We pray, Lord, for those that are going through continued sickness. May they sense your closeness and your comfort. And Lord, we do ask, if it's your will that we would gather together next Sunday, right here, and that even from now until next Sunday, we would, we would look forward to, we would long to be together. But Lord, until then, we just pray that we would trust you. We would have a renewed faith in you. We would see your hand working in us and amongst us. Father, I pray for these few moments now that people are gathered in homes in front of TVs or computer screens. Lord, that the distractions would disappear and that we would, we would hear from you. I, I ask for help. Please, Lord, guide my words, my speech, and my thoughts. Lord, may nothing be said. May, may nothing be focused on that is not glorifying to you first and foremost. We love you. I love you. And we together as a body are grateful for your patience with us. You never give up on us. Your, your grace and your mercies that are new every day. May, may you speak to us and may we hear you this morning. We ask this in the amazing, wonderful name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Romans chapter 8, we'll pick it up in verse 5, read down through verse 11. The word of the Lord. 
For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their mind on the things of the Spirit. For, for to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot Please, God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of God does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit of life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Really, just two points this morning, and they come directly from our text. The first one is this. We want to remind you, and we also want to warn you graciously and in love. Living in the flesh leads to sadness, selfishness, and suffering. We read this, those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. What, what the author, we know is the Apostle Paul, what he's going to do is he's going to spend some time this morning making a contrast between flesh and the spirit. He will make very, very clear that the flesh brings death, but the spirit brings life. And I want you to note that when Paul uses this term flesh in the, in the Greek, it's the word sarx. It's not describing what we think of the muscular tissue or the tendons or the fat that covers our skeleton, our, our bones. But he uses this word flesh to actually describe for us our fallen, sinful, corrupt, unredeemed nature. Paul is, is not describing the temptation. We'll see that just next week in verse 13. There's a temptation for Christians to live in the flesh. He's, he's not talking about this. Not that right now. But he, he basically is saying what? In God's eyes, it's very, very clear. In the sight of God, every single human being falls into one of two categories. In the sight of God, there's two types of people. There's two natures. Number one, there's the non-Christian who lives in the flesh. And there's the Christian who lives in the spirit. And it's in this former category, it's this first category, that we begin with in our text where Paul begins to describe somewhat basic, fundamental results of what it looks like to live in the flesh. And to be perfectly honest, this is terrifying. This should, this should terrify us to read words like this. We live in a world where one's identity, identify as, what? We hear about this whole identity politics. We live in a world where our identity is everything. Let me begin with this. Upon the authority of the word of God, that is not so with God. 
He, he, doesn't, he doesn't look at us like this. God is always, always more concerned about your soul than anything else. God is more concerned about your soul than everything else. When it comes to spiritual life, God takes no consideration upon the race that you are. When it comes upon the condition or state of your soul, spiritually speaking, it doesn't matter what your gender is, man or woman. It doesn't matter what age you are, education, talents, gifts, background, or any other human distinction. God makes no partiality, shows no partiality. Galatians chapter 3 says what? There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's, there's no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Therefore what? Therefore what? We must be concerned about what God is concerned about. Can, can I say that again? The thousand things that are racing through your mind. We must... The local church of Jesus Christ that abides in Big Woods in Lock Haven, Pennsylvania in the year 2020, we must be more concerned about anything else by considering what? The spiritual condition of our souls. We must be concerned about what God is concerned about. It's based upon what? We are in relationship with God or we are not in relationship with God. We know what? It's, it's the fact that one is spiritually alive or one is spiritually dead. It's based upon the fact that one is forgiven and they are in the kingdom of God or they are unforgiven and they are not in the kingdom of God. And although what? Each person falls into one of two categories. We're given clear indicators on their basic orientation as far as their bent. Which way are they leaning? I think the concern for us is like, how, how do we figure this out? How do we know for certain? And we do this by looking at, by focusing on and examining our minds. The way that we think. I don't know if you picked up on it or not, but what? Two times in verse 5. Two times in verse 6. One time in verse 7, there's this same phrase that is repeated. Set what? Their mind or set their minds. For the mind that is set. This is talking about what? This is talking about what we think. This is talking about how we think. What is it that we concentrate on? What is it that we ponder? What? What wakes us up in the morning? What keeps us up in the middle of the nights? What is it that you focus on? Wish for, long for, desire, and dream about. What is it that captures your mind? Matthew Henry says it like this. By examining what we mind... The things of the flesh are the things of the spirit. Carnal pleasures, worldly profit, the things of sense and time are the things of the flesh. Which unregenerate people mind. Matthew Henry is using this old term, what you mind. Remember when grandma would say, hey, hey boy, you got to mind your manners. It's the same idea here. 
What is it that you mine? So let's, let's just stop for a moment. I know you're in the comfort of your home and you're together with family or maybe you've gathered with one or two other families. Just stop for a moment and consider this little exercise with me for a moment. Since this exact moment, we were together last Sunday, exact hour, 168 hours have passed. 168 hours. And so I begin to think, okay, how, how do we, like, what do we do? What have we done over the past 168 hours? Well, they say what the average person is to sleep somewhere between six to eight hours per day. So let's just split the difference. Let's go seven. Sleep for seven hours, for seven days. So we subtract 49. So, so over the 168 hours, 49 of them, we were just unconscious. Okay, we were gone. It says that, that we work about, about, give or take, a little bit, eight hours a day, five days a week. Let's, let's be gracious, because most people are working. Let's say, let's, let's average 45 hours. So subtract another 45. I know we love food, and we spend some time eating, don't we? So, so let's say we eat three meals a day, and being gracious to you, we want to be, okay, Let's take one hour for each meal. That's three hours a day that you're eating, or at least sitting around a table. Subtract another 21 hours. How long have you spent to make yourself as beautiful as you are? I was trying to think of this. How, like, how long does it take for you to do hair? I really don't know. Brush your teeth, get a shower. Uh, make yourself beautiful. Let's just be, I don't know how, but... Some people could spend as long as an hour a day. Let's just say one hour. That's another seven hours we subtract. That equals, so what if we got, subtract, we have 46 hours left. Wait a minute, but what we're commuting. Some people are commuting because they have a big commute. Okay. An hour, let's, let's say even, I know somebody, they drive an hour to work every day, an hour back. That's what? That's another 10 hours. So we are still left with 36 hours, 36 hours for you, what? What do you do? You got you to run errands and buy groceries. You got to pay bills and go to the kid's game. Watch TV. Spend some time on the, the news and checking the, the news feeds and social media. And, and, and we begin to like think like, Wow, that's like 36 hours. Like, what have I thought about? What is it that, that, that has captured your mind? What have you mined it? And if we go back like this, just this past week, that's still kind of hard. Like, you know what? I, re I can't really remember. It's, it gets almost blurry. Yet we live with the instruction, as Paul teaches in Ephesians chapter 5, we are to redeem the time. We're to capture the time. Why? Because the days are evil. There's a lot of stuff out there just vying for our time. We live as well, knowing that Jesus said we are to give account for every single idle word. So if we go back over the past week, and we know there's at least 36 hours in it, we're just basically, whatever. What is it? Years ago, my dad always kept a day timer. He taught me to do exactly the same thing. I know that's probably ancient technology today, but it's like a book where you write in with a pen. It's like it's like where you write in it. 
And, and, and a daytimer serves the purpose of you being able to look back. And you can see what meetings you had or what conversations that you were engaged in, what phone calls you made or visits or meals you had. And, and in my office, I can literally look directly straight to the left on the lowest shelf. I have 15, the last 15 years, I can go back in my daytimers and say, on this day I was doing this. And it helps you remember. And you begin to think about, I wonder what it is, as, as Matthew Henry has said, what is it that I have minded with stresses, with worries, with fears? And we begin to think as we look back and, and do that. Pull one off the shelf and just go randomly. And you begin to see what, that was a good day. Successes. We flip to what? Yeah, I remember that. That wasn't a good day. Failures. Look at our goals or aspirations. I, I wonder. I, I, I wish. And we begin to see everything. I, just, not this week, the week before last, I was sitting with someone in the hospital, and I reminded them of something that I remind you as a church all the time. in the hospital. I said, look around. What is it you see here? Machines, people, see wires. And, and I remind people, look, look around at everything, right? In this church building, look around in your own home, and you will realize what? All of it, all of it, every single thing that you see around you eventually fades away and literally disappears into dust. And what only two things will ever last. And you know what they are. Because I tell you this all the time. And we need to be told this all the time. The Word of God lives and endures forever. And the souls of mankind. And so I am, I am forced. I must Ask the question, did you mine any of those things this past week? That, that which lasts eternally. So, so what is that with the Word of God? Well, what is it that we do? We read it. Announcements this morning. I'm horrible at announcements. You know that. Well, what do we do? What's, what's happening this week? I know one of the things that happened this week is I'm going to begin my day with this. You read it. You study it. You memorize it. You write it down, you talk about it with other people, you look it up, you Google the Word of God, like, like literally verses, whatever, we have access to so much. Spend time with this, it lives and endures forever. Flowers fade, grass withers and dies. The Word of the Lord will be here. Or how about the souls of mankind? What, what did you do with people? What do we do? We, 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 we talk. We walk with, we listen to, Lord willing, we, we encourage, edify, build up, or, or maybe we need to exhort one another. We're to pray with one another, pray for one another. We're to teach and guide and counsel. Disciple, we sit with, we eat with. One another, people's souls matter. And I have to be honest here, particularly looking back over these last, what, 10, 12, even 14 months. My concern is this. 
in a fragmented society, we have become more and more fragmented. Especially over this past year. People separate. Relegate to their own little corners. And it is a great concern that we need to, we need to understand the importance of spending time with the Word of God and the souls of mankind. However, what, when you do not focus on one of those two things, what, what are you minding? What are you focusing on? Things that are not eternal. Stuff. Toys. Homes, hobbies, playthings, temporal things, trivial things, games, movies, music, clothes, shopping, food. Oh, we spend time. I, it's been over one month. I lost, I lost my taste and my smell just over a month ago. Nothing. I, I'm, I'm in the middle of what's called taste training, and, and, and so I'm... I'm tasting different foods, nothing. And I'm spraying different scents everywhere. Our son gave us this cologne. He gave me this cologne when he was, he and Emily lived in, in Lebanon. And it's really strong cologne, cedar. And, and I'm spraying everywhere, all over me. And poor Wendy, her eyes are watery. She's like, oh, honey. And I'm like, can you smell it? I think, I think, I think I get a little whiff. I think there's a little bit. I am getting something. You know, I thought about if you've ever lost, some of you have lost your sense of taste, you realize, I have realized, I mine food a lot. I think about food. And, and maybe in this season, hopefully, temporary, hopefully, it's a good reminder that we can all focus on something That in light of eternity, it's really just fleeting. God in his grace gives to us just the enjoyment of taste. That's his goodness to us. But it's a good reminder that sometimes we focus on something way, way too much. Just a reminder for us to closely examine and closely, what? Look at and ask the question, what is it that you mind? This is important. This is really important because the result of what? Living in the flesh and setting your mind and things in the flesh. The, the, the list is horrendous here. It's horrible. It actually describes what? That one who does that is hostile toward God. It means that they're at, at in enmity with God. They are what? In antagonism towards the things of God. It says that they do not submit to God. Which means that you ponder all the fleeting temporary things of this world. It actually says that you come to a place where you are living in complete rebellion. That's what it means to not submit. And it says, and just think about this. You cannot please God. We just read that phrase. You cannot please God. Just think for a moment. It doesn't matter what you do. If, you're, if, you're, if you are not thinking about what God has told us to think about, you're thinking about the things you want to think about, it is impossible for you. It describes how a mind of the flesh has animosity toward God. You're disinterested in his character, his kingdom, his word, and his people. 
Tony Morita says it like this. He correctly notices and notes, and I quote, Observe that Paul does not give a list of gross sins here. He doesn't go down through a list. He doesn't give a list of gross sins. He speaks more about the attitude of the heart. The attitude is one that focuses on self. Thus what? Ignoring God. End quote. I've heard it described like this. Person living in the flesh, thinking according to the flesh. An unsaved person, I've heard it described, is like a spiritual corpse. Lifeless. Incapable of in himself or herself, incapable of responding to the things of God unless the Holy Spirit intervenes. A prophet, Isaiah, declares it like this in Isaiah chapter 59. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. Your iniquities, your sin, my sin, has made a separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. He doesn't hear. Pray all you want. He will not hear you. That's what this text is saying. Unless the Holy Spirit intervenes. Now these descriptions, these descriptions, hostile toward God, doesn't submit to God, cannot please God. They're horrible. They're terrible. If we as a church hear this and we read this, we need, to what? we need to be shouting from the rooftops. Hold a sign. Danger. Don't go there. Stop. Don't think like that. Don't focus on that. Don't do that. That's our job. Do you realize if you, you stay there, you cannot. 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 Please God. There's a contrast that exists here. Instead, instead, what happened, one needs to consider the contrast that is clearly presented in Scripture. Number two, listen to this. Living in the Spirit leads to a life pleasing to God and eternal presence with God. Just pause on this phrase for a moment. Notice the transition that takes place in the midst of the contrast. There's, there's this, living in the flesh, thinking in the flesh. And then there's this. There's this one this one phrase, you, however, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. It's just be thankful. You, you, unable to please, does not submit, hostile. You, you, you're not like that. Paul's writing to a church. Just as what? You're hearing the preaching of the word of God. You, you're not in the flesh. It's like somebody shakes you, reminds you, this is who you are. You're not in the flesh. You're in the spirit. If, conditional, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. Uplifting, encouraging words, but still words of challenge. Which means that a new nature, that a new way of thinking leads to what? A new indwelling presence. This means that there are times, and I think we're in one of those times. I think right now we're in one of those seasons where we need to be reminded of what we know as opposed to how you feel. 
That's very important for us. We need to be reminded about what we know is certain. And it doesn't matter how you feel. Feelings are, are fleeting up one moment, down the next. Good day, all day. We have to rest in what we know to be certain. We need to adjust our minds and our thinking to be reminded what? I'm not that. I'm not that. Why? Because the Holy Spirit intervened in my life. We described it last week a little bit, if you remember. Remember 168 hours ago when we were standing here doing exactly the same thing? And I reminded you what? We don't live like other people. Christians don't live like other people. We don't talk like other people. We don't shop like other people. We don't do anything. We, we walk differently. We learned last week what? We walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Well, what are the character traits, the characteristics of the Spirit? We actually looked at in Ephesians chapter 5. The fruit, the evidence of the Holy Spirit at work in your life is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It's not a list of perfection. We, we, are, we only... But what? It's a constant straining towards because the Holy Spirit indwells us. I read Ephesians chapter 5. I'm like, that's a, that's a pretty long list. Pretty substantial. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And it is. Why? Because, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. I was encouraged to read the words of the Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. And here it is. Ask, and you shall receive. And we talked about, we complicate, last week we talked about we complicate things. Remember the simple things. Don't, don't confuse it. People telling me, no, you got to do this, you got to do this in order to please God. No, 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 no. We ask, and we shall receive. Well, receive what? Jesus, in his final moments of ministry, sat with his disciples around that table in the upper room, his followers, and he reminds them of something that is very important that you and I need to be reminded of. The Gospel of John, three consecutive chapters. He's like repeating almost exactly the same thing. John chapter 14, John chapter 15, John chapter 16. Jesus says this in John 14, verse 16. I, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Forever. John chapter 15, verse 26. But when the helper comes, whom I will send you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father. John chapter 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Three times in three chapters. I'm going to give you a helper because you need help. <laughs> we need, I need help. The word in Greek is parakletos. Which means what? I need, I, need, I need help to get up in the morning. The Holy Spirit dwells inside of me. I need, I need help to say what he wants me to say because what is in, like, it's not always. I, I need help to do what God has called me to do every single day. I'm in desperate need. And I think what happens is that we 
we kind of like push aside or push to the corner the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't want to get too creepy here, too freaky here, so I don't know. I was talking with a dear brother in the Lord just recently. I just asked him a question. I asked a lot of guys, how, how, how you doing? How, how are things? This brother in the Lord said, you know, Pastor, I need to work on some things. There's some areas in my life that they're not real healthy. And, and, and I realize I, I need to forgive more. And I need to trust God more than I'm trusting Him. And I, I, need, to, I need to let go of some things I've been holding on in my past. And I need to, to work. And he was very specific in naming areas in his life. I need to work on this. I need to work on this. I need to work on this. And I need to pay closer attention to my family. And he just went on. And, and I, I responded, I said, I said, praise God. I said, I, I said, who have you been talking to? I said, you have received some really wise counsel. He says, yeah, I have received amazing counsel. And I said, what's this guy's name? We're looking for good counselors in this area. Can I get his card? I need to recommend him to someone. He goes, no, I've not been talking to anyone else. He said, the Holy Spirit has been revealing all of these things to me. I've been spending time in the Word, and I've been spending time on my knees in prayer. And I'm like, you got all of that from? He's like, yeah, it's all Holy Spirit. And I said, forgive me, because I limit. I think we all, I think we limit the power of the Spirit that dwells within us. He is present within us. He is power within us. The same God who spoke everything into existence. My wife and I this week were sitting on our front porch and we were watching a bald eagle as it just circles. And like, that is amazing. The way that, just stare. I want you to just, just stare at the way your hand moves and works. When you see a sunset, a little one running towards you, whatever it is. We see God's goodness and all that. The one who spoke all of that into existence. What? Dwells with inside of you. And I don't think we realize or understand the power of the words that we read this morning. We are to be most thankful for, most grateful for. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. In fact, what? The Spirit of God dwells in you. And if that's not enough, there's more. Paul writes and adds very specific what it is that God offers based upon the power of the resurrected Savior since God rose His own Son from the dead. That's dead. Death to life. We are granted. We are graced. We are blessed. It says what? He gives life to your mortal bodies. Amen for that hope. Because what you see staring back at you in the morning, in that one hour that you're allowed to like brush your teeth, what you see staring back, all of that, all of it, the mortal body, what? Disappears, dissipates over time. But when we know the Spirit of God dwells within us, we are given eternal life. We are given, it says, a life that is pleasing to God. 
Oftentimes we hear what? This phrase aroma, a sweet-smelling sacrifice. Mm. That's, that's what? That's what God does when he sees us living in obedience, a life pleasing to God. It says a life indwelt by God. Now just think for a moment. Let's consider the contrast in closing. Living in the flesh leads to sadness, selfishness, and suffering. But living in the Spirit leads to life pleasing to God and presence with God. Well, what is needed? New nature. A new, entire new way of thinking. A couple of chapters. And it'll take us probably a couple of years to get to Romans chapter 12 at this pace. Romans chapter 12, it says this. I, I appeal to you. I love the old kingdom. I, I beseech you. Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy, set apart, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Don't, don't be conformed to this world. Listen to this, but be transformed. And here's that phrase, by the renewing of your mind, the way you think, you think different. By testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Holy Spirit speaks to us. The Holy Spirit speaks. And what this is our this is our this is to be our response this morning. I don't care if you're in your home. I don't care if you're laying in your bed watching this. Here I am, Lord. Here I am. Take me. That's, that's what it says. It says you present your bodies a living sacrifice. I don't have a whole lot. Like, I don't, like this is all I was given. But here it is. I'm yours. Thankfully, we see the wonderful reminder as we read earlier. Ask and you shall receive. My, my prayer for us this morning as body of believers is that we ask that you know for certain that you are indwelt with the power and the presence of God to live and to think, to mind the same thing that God wants us to mind. To mind the same thing that He minds. May we, may we do that. May we be like that. Through the power of God. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for your word that speaks. And I pray, Lord, that we would strive to be obedient. If there's areas in our life that we need to confess, that we've been, we've been thinking about, we've been minding things that are destructive, that, that are not pleasing to you, that are far from you. Father, we just present ourselves as a living sacrifice. May you... Remind us of your presence and of your power. And you also remind us of the job that you've given as we are called to tell others about your amazing love and your amazing grace. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.